Can we hear you? Can, can, I, can we hear you? Can you hear me is more appropriate. Okay, good. So uh, my apologies for that. Oh, now, now, there I am. So I'm pretty excited. This is actually an incredible, incredible passage. Uh, my desire today with this passage is really twofold. One, I want to encourage you. Uh, and the second thing I want to do this morning is I want to kind of challenge you a little bit as well. Because again, we just talked about with, with the kids this idea of a progress report. And, and Elizabeth's progress report obviously is a little bit different than the report we're going to see here in a few minutes. And, but what I really enjoy, and, and before we get there, if you, you're joining us for the first time or if you haven't been here for a few weeks, uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians, and we're in a sermon series called Living in Light of Eternity. And, and the, the idea with this is the Thessalonian church, they're, they're being spoken to by, by their pastor, their leader, the church planter, Paul. And, and what he's helping them to, to remember to do is how are we to live while we wait for the Lord's return? So that's kind of the idea with this sermon series, and that's what we've been talking about for these past several weeks. And we're going to be in, 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 in the third chapter, verses 6 through 13 today. So if you have your Bibles or your apps or what have you, go ahead and find 1 Thessalonians. It's kind of towards the back end of your Bible. It's after Colossians and right before the Timothys. So with the kids, we just talked about this idea of a progress report. I, I truly love grades and I love progress reports because what it does is it helps us to see how we're doing. If we're doing well, we know that these are some of the activities that we need to take and the actions we need to take to continue to be well, right? And then if we're not doing so great in an area or two, then we know those are the focus areas that we need to make sure that we're looking at and making adjustments to in our lives, in our day-to-day, so we can become better, right? And, and I'm going to put a, a, a disclaimer in front of this message. We're not talking about good works per se. We're not talking about being good Christians. Um, but those, those are some of the activities that we'll see um, as we go through this study today that will help us to kind of see what it means to be and to receive a good report like Timothy is about to give. So I really do believe that, um, that it is incredibly important. And, and to kind of give you an example of that, I want to kind of give you a journey through my school life. Um, and it wasn't a pretty one. I, I wasn't a great student. Um, I didn't like school, mostly because I wasn't a good student and because I was kind of too cool for school, right? But I, I wasn't a great student, and if my parents were here, I'm sure they'll be in the back saying amen to that, right? And um, I never failed a class, which I'm very proud of as I look back. I did try fairly hard in some areas, not so much in other areas. But I'm going to tell you a secret. I don't even know if Elizabeth knows this. I almost failed and almost got held back in kindergarten. Can you believe that? I was missing, apparently, I was missing a very important life skill that did not allow the teachers to say, you know what, Ryan is ready to move on into first grade. You're probably wondering what that skill is, aren't you? <sighs> Skipping. Yeah, you heard that right. I couldn't skip. <laughs> it's hard. I still can't skip. You know, and I got okay. I'm doing fairly well in life. I'm a, I'm a somewhat awkward at times, but I, I you know, it, it is what it is. I couldn't skip, so my teachers did not want to push me to the next level. Can you believe that, Josh? That's crazy. 
So they almost held me back, but I overcame that by practicing and by, yeah, imagine me skipping around practicing, right? So this skill was missing in my life. I, I got through it. I moved forward. And, and good news is I never got held back. Good news is I never failed a class. And, um, but these, these, these reports helped me to grow as I continued. And I'm going to brag just a tiny bit here. Again, I told you I wasn't a great student. I had to go get my, my high school diploma and my high school uh, transcript several years back for some uh, applications. And I finally got my, my progress or, or my, uh, my transcript. And my GPA for my high school was like 2.59. So it wasn't great. Again, above average, slightly. Uh, but it wasn't great. So when I finally went back and got my associates, um, that also included a certificate in human resources, I, I, I was actually able to achieve like a 3.46 GPA. So I'm like, all right, that's not bad, especially, you know, some 15 years later. Um, and currently, in my current studies, I'm actually earning after this past semester that ended last week, about a 3.54 GPA. So I'm gradually improving as I get older. Um, and kids, we talked about this in our last series, didn't we? That means I have more wisdom now than I did then, right? And, um, but I think it's, it's key because I get to go see my grades every single week. I get to see how I'm doing, and it allows me to build on those skills and figure out what I need to do to improve, right? So we'll talk a lot about that this morning. So what we'll do is we're going to go into the text, and uh, we're going to see what this report from Timothy was for, uh, for Paul. So it reads this way, and, and before we get there, last week Pastor Pat talked about this idea of it, it takes a village to make mature disciples. Remember that? So it takes a village to, to make mature disciples. And what this section does is actually pretty neat. It almost acts like a commentary to what we saw last week. It kind of sees, okay, so it takes mature people and, 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 and a mature church and a, and a mature village to drive that maturity level in their saints. And this helps us to see what that means. And that's what I think is really neat about this. And, and what we know here, too, is this is one of Paul's earliest letters, probably his first. And he was actually run out of Thessalonica. And, and what we'll see here. So, and, and because it's such a young church and Paul wasn't there to see them and watch them grow, he sent Timothy out. And that goes back to verse 5. He sent Timothy out to say, hey, I need you to go check on my, my children. I love them. I care for them. I want you to go out and, and check on them. So that's exactly what, what Timothy did. So in verse 6, we'll pick up that story. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and he has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted, comforted about you throughout your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly and night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness, blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. What a neat report 
what a really neat report that we see here. So I want to develop this idea and, and our main idea for the day, and it's this. A church does not make a good report by doing nothing. Right? A church does not make a good report by doing nothing. I should have left the G off and put one of, you know, nothing. See, it tells you why I got a 3.0 GPA. Right? So the first thing I want to do is just to kind of point out something about Paul. Um, Paul is, is an amazing character and person that we see throughout the Bible. And the first thing I want to point out, we're going to talk about Paul in a second, but Timothy's good report tells us two things. Okay? First thing it tells us is it was good news. Right? So immediately Tim, uh, Paul's like, hey, this is great news that Timothy brought. And that's really comforting. Right? So we are told that it's good news. Just like Elizabeth's progress report in the fourth quarter, that was good news, right? So that, that's a pleasing thing to see. And, and, and so Paul receives good news just as well. And, but for Paul, notice how he didn't talk about the physical aspect of the church. Did you notice that? He didn't talk about the physical. He was more focused on the spiritual. The good news was because of their spiritual health. Now, this isn't to imply that Paul wasn't concerned about the physical, but his genuine heart and his heart attitude was more focused on their hearts and their spiritual health. And in verse 7, we see that Paul was comforted in his own distress and his own affliction by this positive report from Timothy. We also see that he was longing to see them and they were longing to see him. Right? So they were longing to see one another. And I think that's really important too. He says he longs to see them. This, this term that's used here, it, it's a strong urge. It's a strong desire. It's an intense, deep desire to see one another. Right? So it's that longing that you get if you haven't seen somebody in years. Right? And what we can learn from that is we also <laughs> should be happy and longing to see one another. Right? Uh, I, I, can, I can think of times where you, you don't want to see somebody in public and you see them across the store and what ends up happening, you're, you're playing, you know, going around the maze of the store trying to avoid them. And that's really how we, how we ought not to do. Another thing I want to point out about this is, is Paul's heart is so pure here and so loving. And, and I think it's fair and... and applicable for today, right? One of, the, one of the things we see about Paul's heart is it was, it was the heart of a parent, right? It was the heart of a, of a parent looking after his children, or maybe more appropriate today, a mother looking after her children, right? And um, think about your mother's love, right? I see many of you here today with your mothers. Think about your mother's love and how, and how special that is, how special a mother's love is. It's genuine, it's warm, and it's incredibly special. And, and what we see here too, and actually the example of Jesus, right? In Matthew 23, Jesus used the example of his love as he was crying over and lamenting over Jerusalem. He used the example of a mother hen over her, her chicks, right? That's how he felt about his, his city. And then Paul also had that same love for his children of the faith. We also see a pastoral, a shepherd role from Paul in his response. And, and the word pastor, if you don't know, it actually, it, it, it's, it means shepherd, right? And part of the shepherd's responsibility is, is to, to, to love the flock and protect the flock, 
right? And that's what we see from Paul here too. He needed to be sure, as we saw last week, he needed to be sure that they were protected from the enemy. So he was acting as a loving parental figure, and he was also acting as, as the shepherd. So with this premise in mind, I want to kind of just take us through the passage kind of progressively. Uh, and I joked on Monday that that's not usually a word we're going to use in this church, right? Because we're not a progressive church, if you will. You know, but we're going to kind of go through this organically and see exactly what this looks like in practice. Because I think, again, it helps us to put into practice what we saw just last week from Pastor Pat. What makes a village help mature disciples grow? So let's first take a look at the, uh, the idea of what made this report good. So we saw a couple aspects of this, but I want to dig deeper into it. Again, we saw this idea that they remembered one another. They remembered one another. You know, and that's an interesting term because it doesn't really paint the full picture. And again, remember, Paul was run out at Thessalonica. He was run out, so he, he couldn't be there with them. You know, but he, when he hears a report that they remembered him kindly, it was a refreshment for him, right? Because he knew that he can still serve them and love them uh, in the way that he needed to do so. And, and the phrase literally says this, it, it, it's, you have a good remembrance of us always, right? You know, it, it, it's a very mutual kind of thing. And these were, these were positive thoughts, right? These are, these are positive thoughts about one another. So it showed that they still cared for him just as he cared for them. And that was comforting for, for Paul. And just think about yourself. Somebody wishes you a happy birthday when it's your birthday. It's kind of nice to get that love and attention. Or maybe when someone says, you know what, I prayed for you today. Oh, that to me is one of the best things, right? Oh, you, I prayed for you today. How wonderful it is when you hear that news from somebody who takes time out of the day and remembers you, right? And that's kind of what we see here. And, and I'll, I, I always keep this really close to my heart because I've heard it several times from these two men, um, but both Pat and Joel have told me before that if they somehow, for some reason, end up getting up in the middle of the night, you know, it's 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're tossing and turning, they've both told me, and I, I'm sure I've heard it from others too, that they'll sometimes take part of that time to pray for Natalie, my wife, and Gabrielle, my youngest, because they know, and if you are aware of what's happening in our family, they, Gabrielle struggles with sleep. She struggles with sleep. And, and she's very dependent on my wife. So to know that there are people who, if they get up in the middle of the night, they know that we're probably struggling just as much. And they'll pray for us. And that is so neat. And that's so warming to, to know that people are thinking about my family like that. And I've always appreciated that. The other thing we see, and the next thing we see here, is that they had strong faith. They had strong faith. They remained faithful. And, and, and you, lo you likely already know this, but this idea of faith in the Bible, it's not just believing in the existence of something, right? Uh, it's not the you know, just believing. Just re recall what Jesus said about the demons. Even they believe. They know that God is real. They know that Jesus is, is Christ. So it's more than just believing in the existence, right? And, and what's really, it, it's an active term. It's something that requires action as a response to and what's unique about this word, too, is one of the implications is it, 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 it leads to believing and, 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 and having faith in what God's promised for us, right? It's believing what the promises of God are. 
So a saving faith leads to repentance, right? And that's kind of the idea. It speaks to, um, you know, and that word repentance means that we're, we're turning from God. We're, we're turning our, or not turning from God, we're turning from sin. And we actually just, uh, just yesterday morning with the men, we talked about this idea. And it came from 1 Corinthians 6, where it says, you know, Paul uses the term flee from sin, right? And that idea is to run from sin. And you're not just running from sin, but the idea is you're running from sin towards Jesus, towards Christ, towards God, right? And, and it's, it's that kind of, that kind of uh, verb and, and, and action that we're seeing there. And I think, um, I think that's really important, and it's a swift, fast action, right? Away from sin to God, and that's the idea of repentance. The, and this is the kind of faith that leads us to focus on the Father, that's the kind of faith we're, we're talking about here. It leads us to obedience. And then finally, the next thing we see here is that they were also steadfast. And um, I know that's one of Steve's favorite words nowadays, right? And it, it's an incredibly important word, steadfast. And I love verse 8. Look at verse 8 for a quick minute. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Do you, did you see that there? Paul lived right and 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 for him it was more like a you know that was a reason for him to live right to see his people standing fast in the lord it was a it was an incredible way of it describing that um and this idea of of steadfastness from the from the church it led to the joy that paul had that timothy had that sylvanus had right and it's incredibly important you know and it says again he 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 for now we live Right, and I wonder as I was writing this this week, I was wondering how many of us do that. How many of us can honestly say about one another to one another, myself included, that the spiritual growth of others gives us this purpose to live? Right, I wonder about that sometimes. I wonder about that if I take joy in in the spiritual growth of others as much as we see Paul do here. And just a few weeks ago, remember one of our sermon titles was, you know, self, Selfie in a Selfless Generation or something to that effect. We, we, we had seen and understood that, hey, our culture is very me-focused. Our f- culture is very me, me, me. It's, it's a me, myself, and I focus in, in culture today. So it's really something that's not easy to achieve. That's the reality of it. It's really our sin nature that prevents us from having this kind of joy for others. And maybe we do that sometimes. Maybe we have that, that, that response, but I would, I would argue that it's probably not something that we felt as, as Paul did. And we need to strive to get to that level. Um, so really, where is that heart of yours? Is it focused on yourself? Is it focused on others? Are you, is it focused for others and for their growth and their, their, their love, right? What is it that's most important? Is it the physical health or is it the spiritual health? And that's a hard thing because a lot of us are dealing with physical issues that need attention. You know, and think about what happens in a small group when, like, hey, how can I pray for you? Oh, well, I have a, my shoulder. My shoulder's not doing well, right? Or, oh, my knees. My knees are killing me, right? That's my world, my knees, right? And, and that's okay, and we're not saying don't pray for those things, but really while we should be praying, and we'll see this at the, towards the end of our time this morning, is, is what that looks like from a spiritual maturity level. 
So how much time do we spend praying on the spiritual needs of our brothers and sisters? And we, again, we just saw how this, this, this church received a good report from Timothy. You know, and um, we, we saw that Paul had this genuine, warm love for his, 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 um, his people. And they had love for him and his leaders. And they were faithful. They were steadfast. And uh, so the next thing I want to talk through is uh, what is it that the church is supposed to be doing for one another, right? So we kind of see what the report was. So now let's kind of dig in to see what they were doing for one another to help us to do the same as we continue in our, our walk with Jesus as we wait for the Lord's return. So the first thing we ought to be doing is to be ready to supply one another with what is needed. I tell you what, I don't know how many times this principle has come into my life as I'm doing a sermon. I don't know how many times this has happened where this is a principle that comes up in almost every one of my sermons. And I don't know why. Maybe the Lord's poking at me, right? But this, be ready to supply with one another what is needed. And um, let me give you an example. I have a, we have some friends who are getting ready to move, and they're moving at the end of this month. And immediately, Natalie gets online to see what they needed, right? So they, they were staying with family, so they don't have much, right? So they have to furnish this brand new place. So they don't have much to do that. So Natalie finds out what they need. She starts searching for, the, you know, the marketplace on Facebook and, and yard sales and things like that. What is it that you all need? No joke, I have a love seat, a couch, and a chair in my, my garage. I have a washer dryer in my garage. I have a full kitchen set in my garage <laughs> that Natalie went out to get for this family so they had some things when they were ready to move and and obviously she didn't do that so I can tell you about this story she did that because of the genuine love that she has for these people and how much she wanted them to to have that a little bit less stress as they get ready for this move and um, you know when I originally wrote this it was just a few items that that list has grown but um, you know and again she does this because she loves and cares for them and she wants to make sure they're they're good and satisfied and then notice what, what, what wording that Paul uses. It, it specifically says, supply what is lacking in your faith, right? So again, he's really focused again on that spiritual health. You know, it's that spiritual need. What are those spiritual needs that you all have? You know, and, 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 and he really helps us to do that. And, and I think this, this next point will help us to kind of see what, what that might be alluding to. And that is this. We need to be ready to pray, Right? Prayer is a difficult thing for people to get in a regular habit of, I would, I would say. I think it's one of those cadences that's difficult to kind of keep. And um, Paul says here that, they prayed, that he prayed earnestly night and day for them. Earnestly night and day. It was a habit. It was a lifestyle of Paul to pray always, which is why he told us to do that several times in the Scriptures. And I think, again, it's really hard for us to find that rhythm of prayer. And, and I would argue that, you know, while it might sound ritualistic in a sense, I would argue to schedule time in your day. Schedule that time in your day to pray. You know, maybe it means you get up 30 minutes late, uh, earlier in the day and start your day with prayer. Maybe that means if, if you have a long commute or a commute at all, maybe use some of that time, if not all of it, in prayer. Right? During your lunch break, if you get one of those, right? Take some of that time in prayer. If you're doing housework, maybe that's a great time because you're just moving, you know, 
And maybe that might be a good time to, to, to spend with the Lord as well. Gardening, right? I mean, I'm sure there's many, many ways that I'm not saying out loud, but here's what I can tell you. I can, I can assure you that if you look around this room, there are brothers and sisters sitting around you that have a great prayer life, and they can probably give you some great pointers as well. So I would recommend that you do that. Next thing we see is that Paul says that they have joy in the victories of others. Joy in the victories of others, right? I mean, this is the counter of, of jealousy, right? This is, you know, when we take joy in watching others succeed, be victorious, overcome, that is what Paul's saying we need to be doing right now. He, great, he took this great, uh, this great joy and pleasure in this report from Timothy because they were growing in Christ. And, and notice we don't see that he was happy that the economy was thriving. I'm sure it was. That was a central hub. Or they were getting wealthy, right? It wasn't about those needs. Once again, we see it was about their spiritual self or souls. It was really about their souls. And, and, and again, I challenge us, are we concerned about the souls of others, right? And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been jealous of a friend who got a promotion or got a nice car or a nice house, right? I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, and I think it's, it is natural. It is within our, our, our sinful na- nature to do that, you know, but think about it. Why not celebrate with them? Why not be happy for them? And why not take joy with them in that? It really does remind me of the story of Cain and Abel, right? Cain was jealous of Abel, so he rose up and killed him. What a jerk, Right? He rose up and killed him because he was jealous because God accepted his offering and he did not accept Cain's. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's no Cain's in this room. Right? I'm sure there's no Cain's in here where we've had that type of jealousy for others. And then fourth, we need to be thankful for the saints. Right? We need to be thankful for one another. And again, if, if you're not a, a regular church attender, the word saint it just speaks to the, the, the followers of Jesus. It speaks to the, the Christian. And we ought to be thankful for one another in the body of Christ. And um, I, I know as I look around here, I, I know there's so many of you that I'm super thankful for, right? Because I know some of you are praying for us regularly. You know, I, I, last year, and I, I've told this story before, so forgive me, but last year when I was laid off, no joke, within days of that happening, when I said, hey, I need some prayer, this just happened, I had somebody come to my house with an envelope full of cash and he was ready to hand it to me if I needed it. And I am so thankful for that person and I'll never forget that. And I had so many others who reached out, what do you need? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? What do you need? How can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we love you? And that is such a joy to have. And I'm so grateful for that and I'll never forget that. A couple of years ago, here's another example, a couple of years ago, Pat and I called upon many of the men, um, and possibly some of the ladies as well, to help a friend of ours, a friend of the church, to move, because she had recently lost her husband, and she needed to move into a different, uh, different place. And we had five, six, seven guys show up, and we moved her like nobody's business. It was quick, it was efficient, and she was so thankful for that, right? And I'm thankful for the men who did that as well. I'm sure 
you all have examples like that too. And, and my, my short goal with that point is that you, maybe you can start remembering some of those things too that you can be thankful for with some of your brothers and sisters. But let's be honest. There are so many people who have been wronged by the church. And, and because of that, they've lost, they've lost hope. They've lost trust in the church as a whole. And, and because of that, they're going to be hesitant to reach out and to trust. And, 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 and what I would tell you and, and, and encourage you is that this is not one of those churches. This is not one of those churches that's going to kind of do whatever else that, that, that maybe some others have done. We're a loving church. We want to reach out. We want you to reach out. We want to serve you. We want to pray for you. We want to be there for you as well. So we, we've looked at some of these things. So the next question I want to kind of talk through is, is how should the church be praying for one another? And I, this section here is really nice. It, it, it's a really good section that helps us to see really how should we be praying. If there's a model of how we should be praying for one another, I would say this is it. And, and the first thing we see here, um, and again, it's, it's about that spiritual health. Um, and, and, and Tony Evans, uh, you might be familiar with him. He's a pastor out of Dallas. Um, he would call this kind of a kingdom prayer right? That's what he would call this kind of prayer. It's a kingdom prayer. It, it's about bringing the kingdom down to earth and, and, and growing that kingdom. So the first thing we see here is, is that longing to be with one another, right? We see this kind of continue along in, in a lot of Paul's letters. He longs to be with them. I was reading Romans this morning, and that was one of his, you know, it's like, I long to be there. Hopefully I can visit you on my way to Spain. That, that was what he desired, um, and, and Paul really longed to be with his, his, his children of the faith. And again, we saw that back in verse 6, that he longed to be with them. So that's part of that prayer. And I do find the timing to be pretty interesting. Just last week, again, Pastor Pat was talking about this idea, is we really desire that, that those who are viewing online, for whatever reason that might be, that, that we can be together again, Right? And, and whatever is preventing that from happening, that's what we want. We desire for you all to be back together and to have that desire. And I think we all need to have that desire as well. You know, just last week, Deborah asked, like, hey, when do we get to see Natalie again, right? She's like, it, it's been a year, it's been so long, and there are circumstances around that. And, and, and for those of you who have already chosen to, to come back and return in person, that's fantastic, we're so grateful. And, and there are many who, who haven't done that, and that's okay too right? But I think with that and with this verse, it actually helped me to remind me that even if we're apart, so to speak, there are so many opportunities still for prayer, for fellowship, for service, right? So keep that in mind as we continue. And we still have that opportunity to bless one another. And, and Paul's prayer was very specific, that God will direct the way to be back with him, right, back together, that God will direct that way. So if you're, you're online and you're hesitant to return, ask God to prepare that way for you, right? Or maybe you're, you, you're coming back to church for the first time and you're not sure, or you're, you're thinking about it, may God direct me to return. May God direct me to return to fellowship. Maybe may, may that be your prayer today. The next thing we see from Paul in his prayer is that they were to increase our love. So when we're praying for one another and for our church, 
part of that prayer could be for us to increase our love. Love really does solve so many issues, right? And, and the word that's used is that agape love, right? That's that, that for God so loved the world kind of love, right? It's a powerful love, and, and that's the most powerful form of, of that word we see in the scriptures. And the prayer here is that that love would increase, that that love would increase amongst each other and all. Not sure if you picked up on that. And if, again, if anything that this world needs, it is that love, isn't it? Right? It is that love. You know, love changes the hearts of people, especially when we're talking about this kind of love, God's love, right? It changes the heart of people. So maybe those who suffer from this, this plague of racism, maybe that will be changing their hearts with this agape-type love. Maybe the cha- it'll change the hearts of people so that these minor disagreements among saints will not cause division and strife. Maybe it'll change the hearts of people so that they can focus on others versus self. Which we talked about that yesterday with the men too, and, and, and one of the terms used for that selfishness is idolatry. And that's really what that is. So Paul made and prayed that the Lord would make them increase and abound in love. Right? Abounding in love. And that word abound is pretty neat because it really, it's, a, um, it's the same term that Jesus used or that it was used when Jesus fed the, the, the multitude. It's that same word. It's abounding. They had excess. They had so much more than what they needed. And that's the kind of love that Paul is praying for. That they would be overflowing and that it would be uh, more that they need. And, and that's the kind of prayer that Paul was praying for the people. The next thing we see here is he also prayed for them to be blameless. Blameless is a tricky word because immediately, at least my mind, first time I heard this term was, does that mean sinless? So first thing, it does not. Blameless does not mean sinless, right? And, and here's what I would say. And actually, let's, let's take a look at a verse. Let's look at Colossians 1.22. Because Colossians 1.22 helps us to see this, and it says this. Grace, I think I have a slide for it. No, I thought I did. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present to you holy and blameless above reproach before him. Right? So that's what he says about it. So it's, it's above reproach. One way to think about it is this. And we've heard this before. I actually heard it maybe a day or two ago in, in one of my readings. Maybe you've heard it this way. If you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's what that, that term really kind of means, is is your lifestyle reflective of being a, a disciple of Jesus, right? And that includes some of your private lifestyle, but really that public lifestyle where people can't come against you and speak against you uh, because of what you're acting and what you're doing. And that's a hard question, isn't it? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That is a very difficult question. And then the next thing we see and the last thing Paul prays is for them to be holy. Holiness is an attribute of God, right? It's an attribute of God. And, and one lexicon that I read this week on that word, it said this. It says, when applied to God's people, 
it describes a sancted a state of sanctity that the people are expected to achieve and encouraged to share by living out a distinctive life in the presence of God. That's a really good way of describing that word. It's a it's about that distinctive difference, right? It, it's about like there's something about this guy, there's something about this woman, there's something about this kid that makes them different than others. And that's what kind of that's what Paul is talking about here. So earlier I did say I wanted you to be encouraged. I also wanted you to be a bit challenged by this passage. And and what we learned is that there are, are certain things, there are certain characteristics, if you will, of a church that would uh, you know uh, result in and a good report, like we saw from Timothy. And the church, again, it, it's not a place. It, the church is not a building. It's a people. And that's really what we're talking about here. Um, so we saw how we should live. And we saw also how we should be praying for one another in this context. And I would say that this is encouraging because we do know now that we can rejoice knowing that we're living today for the Lord's return tomorrow. I think we can really take joy in that, and whenever that tomorrow is, but we're living today in anticipation of his return tomorrow. We're also challenged by this because we know that we must overcome our sinful nature and become closer to Jesus by the growing of our faith. And that's where that challenge comes in. But praise be to God that we don't have to do this alone. We have him. We have each other. And so what we learned is that a church doesn't make a good report by just doing nothing, right? And, and one of the things that I've, I've looked at in, in, in my studies this week that, the, that this passage reminded me of, you know, and this is a very, you know, Sunday school type of uh, response, but the Bible is really amazing, isn't it? Going back to the example of school, right? The Bible is our syllabus. It's the core syllabus that we get that tells us everything that we need to do to get a good report and to pass the class and get an A. It tells us that. It says, you do all these things. Here's, here's how it's graded. Here's what we're looking for. And if you do these things, you're going to get an A in the course. That's basically what the syllabus does. And it tells us all we need to get that good report. And it tells us about God. It tells us about Jesus. It tells us about the first coming. It tells us about the second coming. It tells us how to live. It tells us how not to live. Right? It's an amazing book that gives us all these things. And obviously it tells us so much more. And we also, guess what? We also have the best teacher. Last week I think was Teacher Appreciation Week, right? So kind of interesting timing as well. We also have the best teacher, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was left for us, living inside of each Christian, to guide us, to direct us, to lead us. We have the best teacher, and we have the best textbook. He guides us, He directs us, He gives us understanding, He gives us the words to speak when we don't have them in our own right. And I think that's incredible. So maybe we'll leave today and we realize, you know what, i got some work to do. Right? And I'm not going to assign that homework. That's going to be on you. Maybe you need a tutor. 
right? Maybe you need a, 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 somebody to help disciple you and to love you and to, to be uh, somebody who can lead you. Maybe you need a tutor. Maybe you need some extra credit, right? And that extra credit, of course, is, is, is more fellowship. That extra credit is, is more Bible. It's more Jesus. It's more God. It's more, it's more prayer. Maybe you just need to retake the course, Right? The idea of repentance, just, just start over, just turn back and just move towards, move towards the Lord, right? So maybe that's what we need today. And I can tell you one thing, guaranteed, those who are online and here in person, there are many of us in this church body who would be happy to take that journey with you. Many of us would be happy to take that journey with you. So we need to be real with ourselves and honest with ourselves and ask the simple question of what areas do I need to work on in my life right now to get a good report? Let's pray. Father, this is an uh, amazing passage, and um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to have studied it and the opportunity, God, that you have provided for me to, to share this word with you and, and with, the, with these folks today. And um, I pray, God, that you help us to to examine ourselves, and you give us the, an, an idea of where we're, where we're at in this life and in this journey that you have given us here on earth as we prepare for the, the second coming of your son, Jesus. Help us to know where we need to go from here. Help us to understand, Lord, what stage we're at and what we need to do to, to, to get closer to you. And um, not that uh, what we do is going to do that per se, it, it, and help us to understand, Father, that these are, are acts of obedience and response to who you are and response to what you've done. Help us to be faithful and believing in your promises. Help us to be um, holy through obedience. Help us to love one another better. And uh, I just pray these things, God, in, in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.